0: Welcome back to another episode of Say Your Story. I'm Dean Stevens. Thanks for checking in, and thanks to Bullets Benign, local band here in the Charleston area. Of course I'm going to say their name. Give them credit, right? I'm not going to rip off their music. Check them out, and you can find them on uh, pretty much everywhere. Reverb Nation, Bullets Benign is the name of the band. We're coming to you today, uh, as we do every time we do our podcasts from the uh, studios here at the Ripple Fund. Ripple Fund's a local nonprofit uh, where I'm the executive director. We uh, bring in nonprofits, given opportunity to work in this open office space uh, through the generosity of Jerry Shear, local businessman, making it all happen for about 23 nonprofits that we work with. And you know, every once in a while, um, we kind of flip-flop between Stories of community members, and then also we highlight some of our nonprofits. And that's what we're going to do today. Uh, I have the pleasure of introducing you to uh, Ebony Tompkins Weber. She's the founder executive director of A Touch of Speed. Um, I first found out about Ebony through her husband, Cedric Weber, who played basketball at the College of Charleston. But the first time I did a story with her uh, when I was over at Channel 4, I didn't really want to make a big deal out of the. The fact that she was married to Cedric Weber, pretty darn good basketball player. has uh, come full circle now. He referees basketball games for all of our kids, but just a great guy. Uh, but behind every great guy is an even better woman. And that is exactly what Ebony Tompkins Weber is. She runs a nonprofit track club, and today she's here to say her story. And Ebony Tompkins Weber joining us right now. It's always, it's always cool to be able to introduce like people that I've got to know pretty well. Um, to this whole podcast world and and share what you guys are doing it's it's different than tv a little bit because it's so immediate I agree yeah yeah you nervous not really when was the last time you were nervous
1: um I don't know
0: you get nervous watching your girls I do compete
1: I, I get nervous watching all of my athletes compete actually
0: you more nervous as a coach or a participant when you used to compete
1: Oh, definitely a coach. I was never nervous as a participant. It's like you're either going to do it or you're not.
0: Yeah. So give people a little background before we touch on um, a touch of speed a little bit about your upbringing and how you got into track mm-hmm. and um, your career as a, as a collegiate athlete, student athlete.
1: Yeah. So um – My upbringing was a very interesting upbringing. My mom um, was a volleyball coach and a track coach for um, my local, well, one of the local high schools, um, Sheffield High School in Sheffield, Alabama. I was raised in Tuscongee, which was Deshler High School, but um, I never attended that because I went to school with my mom. my mom and dad got a divorce, um, when I was probably like six or seven years old. So, um, I was in a single parent household. Um, but my love for sports, um, definitely was kind of an outlet for me. Um, from, from just, just anything, like anything that was going on, like, Mm. um, you know, in the household or, you know, um, I'm very candid. I always, um, even tell my athletes, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, with me growing up. So, and he was somewhat of a violent alcoholic. Um, so, you know, for me, you know, the chaos. So mm. I, I think sports was a way for me to have an outlet from the chaos. Right. Um, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, so I think I gravitate. I was great in a lot of sports. So I was a volleyball player. I ran track. This is no lie. So I, <laughs> I believe you listen to this though. This is, this is crazy. Right. So I was a cheerleader. I would cheer go change into my basketball outfit, play basketball, or it was vice versa, whatever the, you know, however it, the games lined up. So I cheered, I played basketball, I played volleyball, I ran track, at some point I played softball, right? Yeah. So, and I danced. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point as a child, my mom was like, listen, okay, once I got to high school, she was like, we got to start reeling this thing in, you know, because... Sports are very expensive, and as a a Mm -hmm. single parent, um, you know, it could cost a lot. And I did have another sibling, an older sibling in the household. So she's like, you got to figure out what it is that you really want to do, right? Um, So I definitely gravitated more towards um, track. I think I played basketball my uh, freshman year. Um, And I think I may have played basketball. I quit basketball my sophomore year. I think it was my sophomore year. I was like, I'm done. Um, And I went back and forth on that decision. um, But I still played volleyball. Um, Needless to say, I got a scholarship offer in all three sports. Wow. But track was definitely a passion.
0: I remember you telling me we did a story um, when I was working at the TV station that you had committed to make it to where your mom wouldn't have to worry about your college education. Yeah. That was part of your commitment and – And how you ended up running track in college. Correct. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because she wouldn't have, you know, even though she, um, I remember her, like, doing insurance policies for us at, you know, early age where you can do insurance policy, and when a kid goes to college, they can use that money. I remember her doing that at an early age. I remember a lot of things that I probably shouldn't, but I do. Um, That's what drives you today. Yeah, probably so. But I remember her uh, at some point, she may kill me, but, But telling so much, but it is what it is. I'm very transparent (laughs) Um, because I am who I am today because of the things that I've experienced. But I remember her having to cash that in early, Mm -hmm. right, to kind of help take care of the household and and pay bills and stuff like that. And my mom took on a second job. She worked at Books a Million for several several years. Uh, Even when I got into college, she worked there. Um, to ensure that you know she could provide but yes early on I definitely um, But
0: here's what's interesting is that and then the reason your mama shouldn't kill you right <laughs> is that that's what that's what this whole podcast is about about say your story Yeah, right because everybody has a story, right, right I don't know anybody that had the perfect upbringing Yeah, a parent that wasn't affected by alcohol drugs or divorce or whatever it is yeah. But it's how it's what you did with that. Yeah, right. Yeah you went down that straight path when you could have gone left or right and ended up who knows where absolutely and that's where the inspiration comes from to me yeah and you can then share that with
1: other people absolutely yeah so um but yeah so uh going back to that to to say that so at about in in that interview yeah so i was at some point I said, you know what, like we, I never forget it. We were driving to Bat- Baton Rouge. I um, got an invite to the LSU Invitational to Triple Jump. And at that moment in time, we packed up. She drove me to to uh, Baton Rouge. And, and I told her, I said, you know what, mom? I said, um, I said, I'm going to focus on this. And I said, you will never have to pay for me to go to college. And she's like, for real? I was like, yeah, you never have to pay for me to go to college. So that's when I decided to really focus on trike and give it my all. Um, at the time, I was, you know, I was really, really good at triple jump. Um, and something that I didn't realize until me and my oldest daughter was looking up, I held the triple jump record for USATF um, Alabama for ten years. I held that record for ten years. And it was funny because I never looked at stuff like that. Things didn't right. those things didn't matter to me like it was more so of I needed to go to college. Yeah. But I didn't know the true impact that I was making and the legacy that I was leaving behind for myself. That some information that I didn't even know until I was inducted to the Hall of Fame or I'm having a conversation with my daughter and we go back and look at my stats. Right. Yeah. I didn't keep up with those things because those things didn't matter to me. And in a sense, it still doesn't matter to me because titles is not what define me. Um, the life that I change is what defines me, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. How was your life changed after you went to South Alabama? Um, what was l- the big change there for you? What was the big lesson you took out of that?
1: College overall, the college experience overall or student the student sp- athlete, whatever as it a student was, student athlete. Um, the experience that I took from that was, uh, oh man, like college is a different ball game. Um, and I feel, I feel like a lot of athletes don't even understand that college is a different ball game because you made the, be the best person in your state at your high school. But when we talk about college, <laughs> we're talking about theirs. Ten of you, and out of the ten, and maybe nine that's way better than you, right? So you almost have to work twice as hard. You also have to be dedicated to the process, knowing that there is a process. Um, and know that you can accomplish anything that you set your mind to. Quick story. I'll never forget Miss Perea probably shouldn't use her name, but I am. It is what it is. She's, she has, she was one of the people when I got to college who I had to prove myself to. Ms. Perea was our, she coach? no, she was our academic advisor. Mm. Yeah. So, and I've, and I, let's be honest, a lot of times when student athletes go to college, they try to put you in the easiest, you know, classes and mm-hmm. um, degree programs so that they that you can pass. So you have like, you know, communications or, and I'm not saying anything is wrong with those majors, but what I'm saying is they try to navigate you from, from things that are a little bit harder so that you possibly can focus on um, the sport. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're there on a scholarship to produce. It's almost like a business. And as an, as a, Season athlete, I'm going to say, and being able to step back and look into that experience. I remember one day she tried to get me to change my major. I have, a comp- I've got a, I have a degree in computer science with a minor in business. She tried to tell me that she believed that I was not going to be able to complete the program schedule along with track and field, and I needed to focus on track because computer science was hard. I must tell you, I went and found her the day that I got my diploma Mm -hmm. and I laid it on her desk and I let her Mm -hmm. know this is what I graduated in. Yes. And this is what you tried to deter me from. So what I took a lot of things from there. Um, And as you can, as I'm talking, you can see doubters is a fuel to my fire.
0: I remember you saying that before.
1: Yeah, right. doubters is a fuel to my fire. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Right, right. Because in my mind, you're placing uh, boundaries around me, right, um, to stop me from being. I want to. I'm gonna say great, being successful, being great. Um, and I just never forget that she was one of the people who I was like, I don't care what it looked like. I don't care how long it take me. I will finish this program.
0: But see, that's beautiful because. And and when I've shared with high school athletes who are getting ready to graduate, Mm -hmm. um, I will tell them through my experience with my with my oldest son is that. And it's exactly what you said. Right. You you're the best coming out of A, B and C and D high school. Yeah. But when you get to college, you're not going to be the best anymore. Yeah. Right. You've never failed. Yeah. Right. You never failed in high school. And that's the reason you're going to Clemson, Carolina, South Alabama, wherever you're going. Yeah. But you're going to fail where you go. Yep. Right. And yep. it's going to test every fiber to say, oh, what's next? Yeah. Right. You're mm-hmm. going to quit, which is fine. You don't want to do it anymore. Or you're going to pick yourself up and you're going to try You're going to work a little bit harder. Yeah. Right. Because there's always going to be somebody that's going to outwork you.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Unless you say no. Yeah, absolutely. We're not going to do that today.
1: Yeah. And it's different. College is different. Um, and, um, the way to get to college is different, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I won't even go back to about the scholarship portion of it. People don't even have an idea of what scholarships are, are, are created of, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a, some kind of grant you can get, and they offer your grant, and um, then you get whatever they give you, right? They may mm-hmm. give you three-fourth scholarship, and then they may give you a grant. Or if you can get you know some type of other assistance they may offer you that and then you have academic scholarships and mm, then you that's have that's the most important one yeah absolutely and then you have you know your athletic scholarships but scholarships when 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 I think of full rides I had a 100% full ride like the college paid for all of my expenses room and board um my mom reviewed that contract she made sure that it was airtight right yeah and i think a lot of parents don't really know that process you know and i was really really grateful um from a scholarship po- standpoint that my mama understood um what scholarships were were made of yeah um and what i what was actually being offered right right Um, and I was very fortunate to have a a full, 100% full ride. That's awesome. That paid for pretty much everything. Um,
0: and so you get done with that and then, um, um, you move here.
1: I moved to Charlotte.
0: Well, you end up here. Yeah. (laughs) And I've never brought this up to you. Yeah. And I think it's awesome though. How many people come up and go, do you know Cedric Weber? Oh my
1: gosh, here we go.
0: (laughs) But it's never I never said it, have I? I've never said it.
1: No, you haven't. Have I? No. Right?
0: <laughs> Without question, one of my favorite guys ever. Yeah. Ever. You know? And that's what I think is so beautiful about our friendship. Yep. Is that I mean I literally showed highlights of him when he was in high school in the yeah. dunking championship. Carolina during like one of the high school jamborees yeah right before yeah. he came to college Charleston and then followed him all the way through yeah you know now I see him refereeing my kids basketball games he's been up here for events and stuff like that yeah so anyway yeah I just thought that was kind of cool that you married to Cedric Weber
1: yes and it's very cool and of course um we connected through Cedric because he was like hey you know I know somebody that you could talk to you know so he definitely um has helped me in my endeavors as I navigate Charleston because I'm a, I'm not a Charlestonian.
0: Yeah. That's a hard door to kick in, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's very different and so many definitely different from my upbringing. Right. Yeah. For um, sure. and the culture is different as well. So, um, Charleston is one is it's a it's an amazing place once you have a full understanding of the culture, yeah um and understand of the people and um how to network, right? Um I think for me like
0: So how does that relate to your track club, the nonprofit track club?
1: Yeah, um it relates a lot because if it wasn't for him um, and a lot of the connections and people that he know, and also just helping me overall navigate. Like I knew how to do the backend stuff, how to start it, you know, things like that, but everything else, how to get the word out, how, like, who is the people I need to go to, 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 you know, have the conversations to get us a little bit more out into just the, the awareness. Yeah.
0: So when you started this, how mm-hmm. many kids did you have compared to where you are now?
1: So when we first started, we had 10 kids. And that was in twenty nineteen, that was prior to COVID. So our first um, our first meeting, um, interest meeting was October twenty nineteen. And
0: there were ten kids. Ten kids. And now how many?
1: This past year we had forty two.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And these are kids who, you know, they're not they're charged very little to participate. Yeah. Right. We talked yeah. about that before. I mean you look at any tribal baseball program. Yeah. Look at a tribal basketball program. Yeah. And how much money is being spent by parents? Yeah. Right. And it all comes back to that scholarship thing too, right? Right. I mean, yeah. you're never, very few parents are going to cash in that investment. Say I spent $20,000 on my kids basketball or baseball and we'll yeah. get that money back on yeah. the backside. But what you're doing is you're giving them the opportunity to participate, to understand, to, to and, and to learn just so much more about themselves other than, you know, let's try to get you a track scholarship somewhere.
1: Yeah. And it, cause it is more than that. A touch of speed is, you know, our mission statement is to provide a fun, um, fun, safe, and supportive environment for our student-athletes and to help them basically on and off the track, right? And I feel like we have, for the last... You know, COVID happened, right? But last year was our first full year of being able to have a team. This is our second year, um, as you know, being able to have a full team, have a full season, and you know, we're still navigating it. We're still trying to figure some of some of the things out. But most important is for you know, for me, is the for the athletes and the parents to have a full understanding of what track and field is. Um, The opportunities that track and field can provide and resources, you know, um, we're at a place where like last year we were able to give back, right? It was a small donation, but we were able to give back. But volunteering is important. Um, I think volunteering, um, going out and doing service projects, it helps athletes stay grounded in some, in some aspects. Because it
0: takes you out of yourself.
1: Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so those are the things that we're still working towards um that we haven't really been able to fully do um but those are things that we're definitely still working towards to do is the the service projects the volunteering we have done um and giving back we have done, but actual service projects actually going out into the community and um helping out um from that standpoint is what we're still still working on because it's important, yeah, it's very important because
0: at the end of the day, what percentage will be will have track scholarships to, to run in college, right? Uh, Yeah. But a hundred percent of them are going to participate in their community where they are. And that's, that's the end goal. Yes. Right. Yes. So, um, you know, you, you build that. Tell me one story. Tell me one kid that maybe in 2019 and where they are today and maybe have surpassed your understanding of and, and maybe their own understanding of what they could do.
1: Yeah. So I will say uh, athlete Demery Washington. Um, she bounced around like, you know, prior to, and I always talk about prior to, we participated with another track club and kind of started, I started my own thing or whatever, but she was one of the athletes that came over with me. And just to see her growth, um, she was a kid that has been bounced around from the 800 and, the 400 and 200 and long jump, you know, and, um, Kobe year was a bad year for all of our athletes. We really wasn't doing anything last year. Um, once again, you know, 200, 400 long jump, really couldn't, um, really figure it out, uh, during Javelin. Um, she did make it to the regional meet, but didn't make it to nationals. Um, but her story this year is turnaround story. Um, to watch her not only um, inspire other athletes on the team, um, I call her my little mini coach because anything that you want to know about long jump, triple jump. Um, she'll step up. She'll step up without without a question. But the, the crazy part was this year we were able to have two relay teams and um, – you know, she started out open events and I start all kids out one, two, four, two field events, just to see, you know, see where they land or whatnot. And for me, um, what's so inspiring about what she did this year was, is she hadn't ran the 400 all year long. Haven't seen her run the 400 all year long, but regional meet, um, it was, Hey, let's, get a four by four going so that we can, I know it was the district meet so that we can see where we are. Right. So district meet, man, like it's something about her running that touched my soul. And when I say touch my soul, it was like a, a hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, a praise moment. I'm for real. It was like, it was like a very, um, I don't know. It moved me, it moved me to my core because I have seen this, this young athlete worked so hard and not really have it all put together. So we're talking about a person who ran the 400 at Mount Pleasant and ran a 116. I'll never forget it. That was the last time she she ran the 400 open. She ran a 116. She came back and on the 4x4, she this was district in June, early June. She ran. She had to run at least a 105 split heaven ran so that's all 11 seconds is a a lot different kid whole different kid I was like holy crap like oh my gosh you know but her dedication to the sport so we come back to another track meet and if you watch relays for somebody to be so in the, in this position when she got the baton it was a girl uh in front of her. She went and got that girl. She went and got her. She went and, she worked so hard. She executed her race to the T. Um and she put there was only two of them running but nevertheless she put our girls back in the position to win. Mm. Um because we were in in second place and we were far we we were back. And to see her run the way that she did it was like Once again, it was a hallelujah, oh, my gosh, like deep down and so like a a church moment, right, for me. Um, And just to see her growth over the last couple of years is commendable because that's Makes it it all worthwhile. It does make it worthwhile. Those
0: difficult days, you're like, I can't believe I started this nonprofit. What do I think?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I say that daily, I think, sometime, But, like, her story, she's just getting started. How old is she? She's fifteen. She'll be sixteen Good and, for her. and yeah, she'll be turning sixteen soon, but she's fifteen. But her passion for the sport, her her I'm gonna say her attitude of not giving up. Because just think of, of Remind a, you of somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Me. Right. Um, but but her passion for the sport and her thought process of not giving up. That's one athlete that I know that's gonna show up to practice. No matter what her practice looked like, she could be the last person coming through the line in practice because somebody may be faster than her, but she's gonna give her all.
0: But it but it goes further than that. Yeah. You know in five years and ten years mm-hmm. where she'll be in life. Yeah. Right. And absolutely. that's what you're doing. You're creating generational change here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think is commendable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And I always say about the program, if when it when it comes to children, if you ever think if you get one person to believe in you, one person, yes, one person, it only takes one person to believe in you. And people fail to realize that it only takes one. You can have a bad day, but it could say it could be one person. Hey, how was your day? Yeah. Even if you don't know the person, it could change. But when it comes to kids, it take, and especially this generation, it takes one person mm-hmm. to believe in you to make a difference.
0: I heard somebody say that at a going away event for the guy, uh, Jim Newsom, who was running the port. And mm-hmm. he came here when in 2008, yeah. and everybody was in trouble back then. Yeah. Um, but somebody spoke, and he said what he did for us mm-hmm. is he simply believed in us. Yeah right yep. and that resonated and i was like that's all it is yep right cuz you can tear that child down yep so fast yep right yeah. and it takes just as equal of an effort to build them up yeah
1: absolutely right yeah
0: because they'll surprise all of us
1: yeah and they will and it's it's just i always think of what if my mom didn't believe in me as much as she did you wouldn't be here what if my summer coaches didn't you believe, wouldn't be here right what if um, Brad Bowman, that was the guy who recruited me for South Alabama. What if he didn't believe in me? One right? Right. So I think it's it's at the end of the day it's pouring into a child what was poured into you the good. Right. The good, right? And if you can pour that into them and they have that confidence, you help build that confidence, they can conquer anything. And I think for her, that is definitely has happened. You know, if I need somebody to ride to a trike meet, she'll go. I love that. You know? Yeah. Um, Well,
0: um, Jerry believed in me and I wouldn't be here without him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad you're part of the Ripple family. Yes. You're a huge asset to what we're doing here and the people that come through this door. So thank you.
1: Yes. You're welcome. And I'm, I'm, so happy to be a part of Ripple family. Um, Cause Ripple has definitely uh, been a avenue to be able to, to to talk with like-minded people, right? And that's the whole point, the ripple effect, right? Ripple is all about the ripple effect. And I believe that um, that has definitely occurred for me and my organization. Um, being able to bounce ideas and information from other people. Um, because as a nonprofit, you know, it's very, very hard to navigate sometime um, for for funding or for um, trying to get information out to the public, you know, trying to get to the public to and I'm going to say buy into your organization sure. to be able to help you. Um, so I think Ripple has definitely um, been able to do that for all of us. Yeah. Um, but also seeing the other organizations in here thrive. Like that—that that is like definitely a ripple effect, right? Because you know that you're not alone in the fight in this realm of nonprofit. So I say thank you.
0: You tell Cedric I said hi. Absolutely.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, you can catch up with Ebony. They've got an event actually coming up on July 23rd at Riverfront Park. Of course, that's in North Charleston. It's a touch of speed, sizzling summer. 5K goes from 4 to 8 o'clock. You can catch them all. The race entry is for $40. A virtual race is for $25. It's a free community expo. There's food trucks, vendors, local nonprofits, face paintings. There'll be a kid's corner and so much more. So uh, if you'd like to uh, join in and find out a little bit more about a touch of speed and say hello to Ebony and, yeah, you can say hi to Cedric too. Just check them out. Riverfront Park, that's the 23rd. And our thanks again to Bullets Benign. Love their sound. Love their vibe. Love you for checking in. Say your story with Dean
1: Because I'm finding my way back to you. Hey, you.